I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast, with the plague of injuries besetting the Celtics the last few weeks finally showing signs of abating. The playoff picture is finally starting to come into focus. Today, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving's knee operation, what Boston did with its hardship exception, and everything else that's going on as the playoffs start to come into view. I'm Justin Quinn here with Luis Gonzalez. How are you doing, Luis? I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Looking forward to the playoffs, which start on Saturday, April 14th. And yes, I looked that up right before we started recording. Well, I mean, it's kind of important. We've got so many things going on right now that have to do with when people are going to be coming back from injuries. Obviously, we know that Daniel Tice is going to be out almost certainly beyond the scope of the playoffs. But we've got Jalen Brown back finally. He made it through the concussion protocol. He had a good game for us the other night. And there's still a possibility that Gordon Hayward could come back later in the playoffs. And now... We hear that Kyrie Irving could be back in three to six weeks from when from when the operation itself happened, which is just inside of a week right now, placing it exactly at the start of the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? So at this point, I think most people are calling our first round matchup to be against either Miami or Milwaukee is what it's looking like. One of the two. I think people are favoring Miami right now. Um And to be honest, I think that we don't need Kyrie for that matchup. I think that, especially with an injury, with a knee injury, um, and being the type of player that he is, I would prefer that he's out for as long as humanly possible so that he can fully, fully, fully recover. I I don't care if a doctor says, like, he's good to go. You know, that's great, but knee issues linger, and we've seen how this has lingered throughout the season. Um, So, sure, he had this procedure. It was to remove um, a a wire in his knee from a surgery he had, I think, maybe a few years back. 2015. Um, Yeah, 2016. So, you know. Uh, he's going to heal up and be just fine, but I really don't think that we're going to need him until the second round. So I hope he just keeps resting even if he, even after he becomes medically cleared. Yeah. He's also a slow healer in my experience from what I've seen of him. And I, I, I really agree. I think that, <coughs> excuse me, it's quite possible that we can make it through all or at least most of a first-round series with almost anyone we're likely to be playing. You know, the Wizards could present a problem if they, if they fall into that range. It's possible, particularly if they get John Wall back, and he himself is one of many players on Boston's horizon to be thinking about in terms of injuries as well. But there's some good news coming out of the the, the so-called minimally invasive surgery that they did that it seems that it has not uncovered any further damage, which is great because it sounds like at this point, the last thing that needs to happen in the off season is those screws being taken out. So as far as that goes, that's, that's, we are in about as good of a possible situation as we could be considering all of the injuries that just piled on at almost the worst possible time. And I think we got pretty lucky, all things considered that, 
I mean, obviously, besides Daniel Tice and Gordon Hayward, um, none of the injuries that these players have sustained uh, are going to keep them out for a, a ridiculous amount of time. So Marcus Smart, when he went out, uh, well, he'll he'll be back probably around the time that Kyrie Irving is back. But it's not like we had, it's not like any of the players sustained an injury that would keep them out for like yeah. three to four months uh, at, around this time of year. So I think we're pretty fortunate that, sure, they, they, they will be out for a few weeks once all is said and done. But all things considered, having most of our injured players back by the end of the, you know, middle of the first round, end of the first round, assuming we get out of the first round, I think we're pretty fortunate. And I mean, we're playing pretty well right now. Surprisingly without all of these players. So, yeah. And I think it says a lot about Brad Stevens and it says, and it really speaks to how I really think that this team likes playing. Well, all of these players like playing with one another, which is very, very important. I think more often than not, you have a lot of players that are just, just happen to be on the same team, but may not, you know, be the best of friends. But it seems like everyone on this team is friends with one another. And it really, really shows. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but it, it, that's what it looks like. That's kind of the vibe I get. I mean, you know... Al Horford stumping for Jason Tatum for Rookie of the Year out of the blue. I mean, yeah, you know, it's good It's good to make your own team look good, but, I mean, nobody's asking them to do that. Particularly, no offense, I'm sure there are some some fans out there who, who really do think that Jason Tatum deserves to get the Rookie of the Year award, but let's be honest, there's at least two players out there who have had much better seasons, even if you think only one of them is actually a rookie. Yep. Donovan Mitchell. Oh, yeah. He is... He's something, man. He is something. If I had to pick one young player, rookie in this case, that I was like super excited to watch going forward, it's definitely him. Definitely, he his style of play. It, it it's it's he's great. He's great. Have you caught the news out of Salt Lake City? There is a Salt Lake Tribune writer named Gordon Monson who actually, yeah, you know where I'm going. He wrote this, he wrote this, basically this like drunk dial text to your ex about how they really totally don't miss Gordon Hayward. And it's because they have Donovan Mitchell and he's going to be so much better. And all I can hear from the Salt Lake City writer is the salt, really. Yeah, I don't know why I read it uh, this morning. This piece came out early, early this morning. And I saw some tweets about it. I'm forgetting from who. So I was like, what is this all about? So I Googled the guy's name. I thought it was funny <laughs> because his name is so similar to Gordon Hayward's. Um, and I'm reading this piece and I'm like, what is this? Like it, it's just like, so it's like classic salty, like, I'm still mad at you, even though you kind of didn't really do anything wrong. I'm going to hold a grudge just because. He's got a full page, full page ad saying how much he loved Utah and supports the community and thanking the team for everything they did. And yeah, sure. I, I, but that's not enough. Yeah. That's not enough, clearly. Whatever. And it's, it's really, really sad because this is just like a beat writer. 
and he's uh, I, I don't know how to how to express what I'm thinking, but basically, it's very very frustrating that this narrative is coming up again. Um, this is the the sports writing weeks. version. Sorry, this is the sports writing version. No, 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 this is the sports writing version of burning a jersey. Really? Yeah, it's like, dude, that's it. Like we, the, the time for this was months ago. Is he like excited that the Jazz are playing better than most expected them to? So he has to, you know, prod prod Gordon one last time. Is this going to happen again? Like I, I don't. I really don't understand what the what the motivation behind this was. But it just read as something so unnecessary, especially so long after all of this happened. It kind of reminds me of the, in, in a different way, but uh, the same way that the Kevin Durant versus Russell Westbrook narrative Cupcake. was just stretch, <laughs> stretched so thin. Better than the frosting on like top of at, a cupcake. It was, <laughs> yeah. But it's like people kept talking about it and, oh, are they friends? Are they not friends? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, all of that's in the past. People had their their time to be upset about it, but everybody just move on. And this guy, whatever his name is, Gordon Monson, needs to get over it. Well... I'm over it. So let's move along. <laughs> the, uh, the Celtics are in a good spot, at least in terms of seeding for the playoffs. It's very, very difficult for them to lose the second seed, even still. You know, this has been... This is new news, but at this point, Boston will really have the luxury of... Let's just say uh, developing their younger players should uh, the seeding outcome potentially suit them. However, they do have this issue now with with so many key players being out extended periods of time with Smart with his thumb and now Kyrie with his knee, Tice with his MCL. All these things together opened up what's called a medical hardship exception which is kind of like the disabled player exception, except for it's not limited by time of year. And it doesn't do too much other than allow you additional uh, roster space. You still have to pay for everything. It still counts against the tax. So you don't want to, you know, well, you can't pay more than, than, than uh, the cap for one thing. But Boston can still pay up to the veteran minimum for anyone that they hire. and. At this point, well, the guy they were going for, I don't know if it was the attention that got him or if another team had had their eye on him and decided now is the time to jump, but uh, I think it was Brian Robb who reported it first um, that Sean Kilpatrick was going to be the 10-day contract that Boston was going to sign with a medical hardship exception. How do you feel about getting scooped on Sean Kilpatrick. I mean, honestly, I don't know if it matters too much. I know initially when this report came out that Boston was looking to, uh, or was close to signing, if not signed, Sean Kilpatrick, there was a lot, of, a lot of confusion about whether or not he would be eligible to play in the playoffs. And, he is not. And he is not. 
So I don't know how much it matters to have a guy in for, well, to, to lose a guy for, how many games do they have left? Like less than 10? You know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know. I, I think whether it was Sean Kilpatrick or this guy, Xavier Silas, who we actually did sign from the G League, the, the con- their contribution to come in this late in the season to, tr- you know, try to learn some plays, it, it, they face a very, very steep uphill climb. So, sure, I'm sure uh, Sean Kilpatrick is a better player than Xavier Silas in the, you know, in the long run, but it, it would be different if, Either of them, if they would be eligible eligible to play in the playoffs, but they're not. So I don't know how much we really lost out on. I tend to agree with with a minor asterisk. First, a correction: it was Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald, not not Brian Rob. Uh, sorry about that, Brian Rob and uh, Mark Murphy. Uh, for those who are curious, he ended up going to the Chicago Bulls on a three-year deal, six point two million dollars, which is a pretty even if it is on the Celtics versus the Bulls. I love I love the Celtics, but if you gave me the option of whatever 10-day contract pays, you know, five figures with the Celtics, I'd still take the Bulls. No, don't kill me. I mean, it's $6.2 million. If they guarantee the next two years they're both team options, but even still, one year you have to assume it's around a third of that, which is no small change. Yep, I'm, believe me, I would do exactly the same, but then again... Uh, I don't know what $6.2 million looks like, so that's probably why I would do it. <laughs> Same. Now, this this guy that they signed, he's 30 years old. Sean Kilpatrick was a little younger. I thought it made a little bit more sense. He had a little bit more potential. It looks to me like they're just using this this as injury insurance, you know, because there's only so many minutes they can get out of the two-way players coming up from the G League. I mean, there's not any limitations, I think, on um, whether or not they can be, like, with what team and whatever. But I, I don't think that there's there's any – I still think that the clock – I have to check on it. If anybody else out there knows for sure, definitely let me know. But I am pretty sure – I'm still getting used to the new two-way player thing – that they will – they'll be eligible for the, for the rest of the regular season – they will not be eligible for the playoffs, however. But if someone gets injured during the regular season, they aren't going to be necessarily playing during the playoffs. So I, I can I can see the idea of trying to like, you know, take shave off some minutes for some of the regular guys, just so that way you have healthy bodies going into the playoffs. That said, like you noted, with a two seed locked up, it's really not super important unless you can get a look at a guy that you might have wanted to hang on to, you know, you'd have to cut somebody at this point, probably Abdul Nader, who's pretty good in defense. He can do, he can do some, some spot up shooting here and there. And, you know, he's, he's under contract for several more seasons into the future. And we're going to need cheap rotation players. So there's value to keeping him, you know, and I don't think some of the guys that were getting thrown around there, like Tony Allen and Jordan Crawford, who aren't playoff eligible either, necessarily made sense just because of their age and the fact that unless it's for like a minimum contract next season, not very likely for them to come back to the, to the Celtics either. There were some crazier ideas out there, most of them coming from the Chinese League. 
Marshawn Brooks is a guy I wrote a story about, which sounds absolutely nuts, but he's one of the top three scorers in the G League, or excuse me, in the G League, in the Chinese League, along with Russ Smith and Jimmer Fredette, some old retreads. You have any interest in maybe seeing if there's any chance they might be one of those kind of like Daniel Tice kind of guys next season? No, absolutely not. I gave up on the <laughs> Jimmer Fredette thing years ago. Um, but I know he he's playing pretty well. I, I think he plays for the the Shanghai Knights. Yep, that is correct. If I'm not mistaken, drop yeah, seventy points. A, yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, <laughs> seventy points, man. Plays no defense, but yeah, he dropped seventy points. Yeah, I guess seventy points is seventy points. But I mean, sure, sometimes these experiments work out, but more often than not, they don't. Agreed. <laughs> so. No, I'm not really interested. And also, we really need to extinguish this this fire that has been lingering for about a year, almost two years now, with uh, Chris Bosh. Oh, God, it's so I really, So the this, this situation with Chris, Chris Bosh reminds me of a worse... Wes Welker situation. And just for those who don't know or who aren't familiar with Wes Welker, Wes Welker was a, a receiver for the Patriots. And he was getting concussed what, for what, what seemed like every week. And he had a concussion that basically knocked him out of the season. I may be getting the details of this messed up. Long story short, he was concussed and he kept getting concussed. And he was a free agent. And he was talking about how he wanted to come back. He wanted to come back. He wanted to come back. And no one signed him really for his own good. Yeah, man. Concussions are no joke. You know, the, the drive was there. The motivation was there. The, the desire to still play was there. But people realized that we're going to save you from yourself and we're not going to sign you. I don't know if Chris Bosch has been as vocal as Wes Walker was about wanting to return to the NBA. Um, but even if he was out as outspoken as Wes Welker was, he shouldn't, no one should even take the risk because the, what happened to him was very, very serious. And I think he's been medically cleared, but even so you you're still taking a risk. And I just don't know if it's worth it for, for him really, not even for the team, for him to put himself in a position where he can, you know, he could lose his life, yeah, and it's just not worth it. I mean, a G League player just collapsed and died not more than two days ago. Boston Celtics, of all teams, would be maybe the worst possible team to even think about having a player with a heart condition that has been cleared by one doctor to play. It's his his life and well being is more important than any NBA contract. Here's an idea: let's all make sure the man gets into the Hall of Fame, even if his credentials don't really quite justify it. Maybe. Maybe. He's really he's kind of a fringe. He's definitely not a first ballot kind of guy, but I think he deserves it. Let's make sure he gets in. That's the best thing we could do for his legacy. If he wants to play pickup games, if he wants to play in Rucker Park, it's on him. But yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board. I don't think it's fair to anybody else to to put it in a situation where you might have one of your coworkers literally drop dead next to you in the course of his job. And you know, like 
just for everyone listening, we don't mean to sound so grim, but the reality is that this is a this is something that can happen quite easily. So we all have to be very, very, very aware of that and and recognize how grave the situation can become if something does go wrong. Boston is not the only playoff-bound team that's appearing with injury bugs. You know, as I mentioned, we have John Wall out with knee surgery that is a little weird, but if you think that is weird, well, just look no further than the Golden State Warriors, where we have Curry... Stephen Curry out with a sprained MCL after a sprained ankle. We have Kevin Durant out with a rib fracture. And we have a thumb injury for Clay Thompson. Really weird parallel injuries going on over there. You think think they're looking at this from kind of the same lens that Boston is? Like, how far can we, how how far can we go, kind of, without our key players? It's funny because... Both situations are almost just exact replicas. So, okay. Well, all right. Let, let's start from the top. Boston didn't didn't come into the season with the same um, lofty expectations as the Warriors did. Sure, everyone thought that Boston would be very good um, with Gordon Hayward. Uh, Kyrie Irving, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone thought that Cleveland would still be at the top. On the other hand, you had Golden State, who should should end up in the finals for the what fourth straight season. But now the narratives have changed, and Cleveland doesn't look as great as they did earlier in the season. And Toronto is the new team that's expected to come out of the East. In the West, you have... The Rockets, who everyone thought would be pretty good, but they weren't expecting them to be this good. And now people are wondering if it won't be the Warriors representing the West in the NBA Finals for the first time in three years. It'll be the Rockets. And now you have Boston with all these injuries, and you have Golden State with all these injuries, and you have two teams on both sides, the Raptors and the Rockets, that are trying to trying to disrupt the Cleveland versus Golden State finals that we've been subjected to for <laughs> three straight years. And maybe they'll just pull it off. But it is a little funny, the parallels here. Yeah, it's looking like they're more than likely going to be facing off against either the Jazz or the Timberwolves, which I think the Jazz could give them a little bit of trouble without some of their key players, but I think they're mostly going to be okay against them. Definitely against the Timberwolves, unless Jimmy Butler comes back gangbusters and everything clicks, which is not very likely to happen. The Spurs, I think, particularly if Kawhi comes back, that's the biggest if of all. I'm so glad we don't have this kind of cloud hanging over the Eastern Conference. If Kawhi comes back and they fall a little bit, which could happen, that is a dangerous scenario for the Warriors. I don't think the Spurs will make it past the Rockets or maybe even the Trailblazers, depending on who they end up hitting in the in the second round. But I don't know. What do you what do you think about the Trailblazers? Do you think they're legit, or do you think they're just you know riding a hot streak? I don't know. It, it's it's kind of tricky. 
it's a it's a it's a tricky scenario. I on one hand I wanna say that they might be slightly overachieving, but they're ranked in the top ten in defense, if I'm not mistaken, over the past few weeks. And they've yep, had they one are. of the best records uh, since the All Star break in the NBA. So I don't know. I guess anything's possible with them. It it really depends on the matchup. I I think that they could probably beat most of the teams in the West, save for Houston and Golden State. But I don't know. I I, I have to look at the bracket to to see um, what what the breakdown looks like. But I mean. That shouldn't take away from what they've, re- regardless of where they get booted out of, uh, what what round they get booted out in. I think this season shows that they're they're a pretty good team and and they can continue to get better. Which is weird because a lot of time, yeah, a lot of people have been writing them off, you know, as a, not even a playoff team this season. Exactly, and now they're sitting in the third, third place, fourth spot right now. Yeah, third place. Yep. We'll see if they stay there, but I mean, to go from we don't think this team is going to make the playoffs, or they they might squeak in as an eighth seed to a third seed in a very very competitive Western Conference. I, I mean, kudos to them. Yeah, and I don't quite understand how how uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are potentially in range to host a playoff series. Yeah, that's that's crazy. After I'll be the first to admit, after Demarcus Cousins went down, I was like, "That's over." Well, even before that, when they signed signed no, when he got traded to uh, to New Orleans, I thought that that was the Anthony Davis Demarcus Cousins uh, partnership wouldn't work at all. I I'd be, I'll be the first to admit it, but it worked. It took a little bit of time for them to gel. That's, you know, understandable. But I didn't think that it would work the way that it did. Unfortunately, he did get injured. But they, they're they still they're still in a good spot. So we have a lot of very, very, very surprising teams across the NBA this season. We have the Pelicans. We have the Jazz the trailblazers and even sort of in, in the East, we have the 76ers who I think people thought that they might maybe would make the playoffs also like an eight seed or just barely miss the playoffs, but they have the potential to be the third seed. Yeah. And they're in, in fourth in right the, now in a, in a decent Eastern, Eastern conference as well. Uh, and then you have teams that are underachieving like the Bucks, who, people also thought would probably be closer to the second or third seed. Knicks, Hornets, Pistons, all supposed to be doing good, not supposed to be tanking. Everybody in those those teams looking for their jobs. You remember when the Magic had, like, the best record in the NBA for, like, the first two or three weeks of the season, and then they... Yeah. So, it's it's been a very, very, very... And the Nuggets. The Nuggets are another team that people were picking to be pretty high up there in seeding. And that right now they're in ninth place. And I'd be, at this point, I'd be kind of surprised if they, well, no, they're only two games behind the Timberwolves. Anyway, it's been a 
all of this all of this said it's been a very 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 interesting NBA season and speaking of uh, Portland and the Pelicans we played them both last week and we probably shouldn't have no, I, I, I was fully expecting us to lose to to the Pelicans but I was definitely not expecting us to win at Oklahoma City or Portland. Yeah, I mean, both very, very tough matchups, but we did it. <laughs> I think is, is all that matters. I don't care how we did it. I don't care if it was last-minute shot, whatever. A win is a win, especially this time of year when everyone's tired and you're trying to win in any which way. The 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 extra... The extra number in the win column is all that matters. Well, coming up, we've got just Utah and Toronto left in this week. You think either of those games are going to be winnable in our current state, or you think those are going to be scheduled losses considering how both teams have a little bit of a grudge against us and have been you know, playing pretty well recently? I think both of those games are very winnable. And, I mean, even the game against Toronto, sure, it'll be difficult, but so have the other games that we've played over the past few weeks. Uh, But I'm not coming into this saying, oh, you know, they'll play hard, but they're going to end up losing once the final buzzer goes off. I think they're both very winnable games. They're going to have to play, the Celtics are going to have to play a pretty close to perfect game to, to beat Toronto. But... I think they realize that if they manage to get past Utah and they go into this matchup against Toronto, potentially uh, if they win this, I think they would either be a half game behind or tied for first place in the East. Right now they are three games behind and... The, if the Raptors, they play tomorrow, if they lose tomorrow, then we'd be two games behind. And if we win, so if if the Raptors lose tomorrow and we win, we'd be a game behind. And then if we go into the matchup against Toronto and beat them, then we'd be tied. No, I think the closest we could get is a half game back. If everything goes our way, if they lose in the interim, they lose to us, that'll give us a full game, and then... The game, if we win against Utah, that'll give us a half game. So that'll put us that'll put us a half game. I'm, this is exhilarating podcasting. <laughs> I think maybe we should because <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to remember what their head to head what their head to head record is because that's what matters really right now. The, uh, that, that's what makes a difference between them being a half game behind and potentially tied or a full game ahead. I believe we have split the series with them so far this year because we played them four times. Yeah, so I think we would be a half game. Well, no, this would this would be the tiebreaker, so we would be a game ahead. Yeah, so this is these two games are extremely important. Granted, this is assuming uh, Toronto loses its game tomorrow. I forget who they're matched up against. Uh, but they don't have an easy end to their schedule. So it's. I know a lot of people have sort of locked Boston into the second seed, but we can still we can still come away with the number one seed. Just saying. They are playing the Nuggets right now. So uh, if you have a desperate desire to know when we were recording, 
there's your your uh, geocache, as it were. There you go. And they are currently. This is live podcasting, y'all. They're currently tied at the half, fifty-eight to fifty-eight. This is not helpful in prognosticating. God dang it. Anyway, <laughs> I, I think that's our cue to get out of here. I think so, too. Do you guys know what to do? Check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com where we have the biggest variety of shirts and hoodies in our store that you cannot get anywhere else. And if you act very quickly, you can still get tickets to any of the remaining home games left under the heading tickets kind of confusing i know but bear with me you can find the pod on blog talk radio itunes google play stitcher and most podcatcher apps make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you like what you hear and you want us to you know reach more people rate us five stars if you don't like something or have a suggestion just let us know with a comment anywhere on celtics life in an article on any of our tweets, whether it's the writer's tweets or the main account to tweet, use the hashtag CLPOD, CLPOD. We're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage the way you want, the way you like it. Got anything to say before we get out of here, Lewis? I, I think we're all set. Again, keep an eye on Toronto's games this and next week. And if Boston takes care of business... That number one seed is still in place, so do not lose hope. And if we get that number one seed, I don't know how Brad Stevens is not coach of the year. I know everyone's picking Dwayne Casey, but we're, we're, we're doing it this year. He has healthy players. That disqualifies you. Exactly. We'll save, we'll save the conversation for, for another pod, though. All right. Take care, y'all. Later, y'all. <laughs>